Good day to you fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. I'm going to give you a couple reasons not to mess with a child. A little girl was talking to her teacher about whales. The teacher said it was physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human because even though it was a very large mammal, its throat is very small. The little girl stated that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. Irritated, the teacher reiterated that a whale could not swallow a human. It was physically impossible. The little girl said, well, when I get to heaven, I will ask Jonah. And the teacher asked, what if Jonah went to hell? The little girl, without hesitation, said, well, then you ask him. That sounds like something my daughter would have said when she was about eight years old. A kindergarten teacher was observing her classroom of children while they were drawing, and she would occasionally walk around to see each child's work. And as she got to one little girl who was working diligently, she asked what the drawing was. And the girl replied, I'm drawing God. And the teacher paused and said, but no one knows what God looks like. Without missing a beat or looking up from her drawing, the girl replied, they will in a minute. One more. Too bad the kids aren't in there for in here for this one. Sunday school teacher was discussing the Ten Commandments with her five and six year olds. After explaining the commandment to the honor of thy father and thy mother, she asked, Is there a commandment that teaches us how to treat your brothers and sisters? Without missing a beat, one little boy, the oldest of the family, answered, Thou shalt not kill. My message this morning is titled, The Great Deliverer. As a child between the ages of 6 and 12, and some of you will have to indulge me because you know a little bit of my testimony and my story, but I I, I was raised in a broken home. My parents uh, divorced when I was 5 years old, and so mom and dad lived about an hour and a half from each other, and I would spend my summers with my father and family there, and my winter school year with my mom and stepdad eventually. But in those early years, um, my, my mom wasn't remarried, and, and so there was a gap of, of three, four years that um, my uh, mom was a single mom with three boys in the home. And that was our situation. It, it resulted in us, especially in that particular time frame, we just we were poor is the short story and so when christmas time came it it represented all of the abundance and joy of of uh, gifts giving etc and and i will be honest with you all um, I endured the cheek pinching and the oh you've grown so much when you would get with family and all of that stuff but i was in for the gifts 
so uh, that was, I'm just telling you what I was like when I was a little kid. Um, and, and my, but my grandmother on my mom's side, my aunt on my mom's side and her husband, they, during those really difficult years, would make sure at Christmas time that we got gifts, typically clothing gifts. And uh, because that was what our need was. And I remember one particular year, I remember arriving home and I was the first one home from school at that time. And this was a, probably, I was in middle school, probably about 12 years old, sixth grade. And I remember coming home and seeing seven brown boxes stacked up by our door that the postman had dropped off. Wow, what a day that was. Postman really delivered. Now, that's the physical. Do y'all stop watching Charlie? Listen to what I'm saying to you right now. The greater deliverance, however, came uh, later in life because God chose to pluck me out of that mess, that muck, that mire, if you will, of my early life and the brokenness of a shattered family. And I've shared this before, but my, my father was alcoholic and, and, and uh, uh, he was pretty violent at, at times with my mom. And, and, and my mom was so distressed that my dad put her in an institution for a period of time and um, and, and it took my, my aunt had to come all the way down from uh, up here, and, and she lived in the Baltimore region, and she came down and got my mom out of the institution, put her back in the house, and uh, my mom wasn't messed up that kind of way, but it was just the time and what happened. And, and, and um, my teen years happened in the 70s, and any of you that grew up in that time frame I'm just explaining this so that you get a reference point for me as a person. But pot was cheap and flowed freely and parties happened frequently. And, and we were just, I was brought up in that era. You guys talk about the hippies and stuff. I was on the tail end of it. I wasn't a hippie because I wasn't old enough to be a hippie as such. Uh, we just got the leftover clothing from them. And... <laughs> peace and all of that and uh, tie-dyes that y'all still like today. All of that came out of the era that I was a part of. But in any case, uh, God reached into that mess. And when I tell you that, you know, the pot flowed freely, my own brother smoked the stuff in my backyard at our house when he was a couple years older than me. And, um, and, And so it was just, that was the atmosphere into which God reached when he grabbed hold of me, and, and while I got saved, I was only eight, nine years old, and got right with God, and I, I'm sure I would have gone to heaven, but I didn't have the foundation, in it. and it wasn't until I was 14 that God transformed my life for real, and I never looked back. I'll come back on that one, but I want to say this to you. God has His way of, of plucking us out of the muck, the mess, the mire of our former lives. He's a great 
deliverer. That's why I tell you that story this morning. So now I want to take you to the great deliverer and what he did in the life of the children of Israel. And I I know you know this story, but let's just look at Exodus 14, verse 10 to begin with today. Exodus 14, verse 10. I have it for you. As Pharaoh approached the people of Israel, I believe this is the New King James, looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. And they cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Now let me give you a little background on the story. Israel has been captive in Egypt over 400 years. I want you to hear that. Because it's so easy for us to just gloss over. 400 years. They were captives in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. But I want you to check out these verses from Genesis 50 now. Verse 24 and 25, soon I will die, Joseph told his brothers, but God will surely come to help you and lead you out of this land of Egypt. He will bring you back, excuse me, to the land he solemnly promised to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath. And he said, when God comes to help you and lead you back, you must take my bones with you. I said that for express purpose. Joseph spoke positively in light of the fact that he knew God would one day bring Israel back from that place which had become their bondage. It wasn't a bondage to them at that point. They were not slaves while Joseph was in charge, but it became that way once Joseph was off the scene and the pharaohs became the pharaohs and they just figured, well, these Israelites, they're growing, there's many of them now, we'll just make them our slaves. They don't really belong, so we'll put them in bondage. And they served that way for many years. But I want you to hear these words of Joseph. Now think about this. He's speaking prophetically. It wouldn't happen for 400 years. But he's saying this to them. Made the sons of Israel swear an oath. And he said, when God comes to help you and lead you back, you must take my bones with you. Why did I tell you that? Because I don't know what bondage you're under. I don't know what story you're living out right now. I don't know what it may look like for you, where you are, in the situation that you're in right now. But I do know this. Use your mouth to speak forth the Word of God into whatever your situation is. Speak forth that which God gives you. God is a deliverer. 
You might be in some kind of bondage. There may be some kind of stronghold. Maybe the devil's been kicking you around, but it's time you said, I've had enough. Devil, get out of my face. Get out of my life. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to trust God. He's a deliverer, and I'm ready for Him to deliver me. Right now, you speak positively about situation and circumstance. Don't keep moaning about how bad it is. Start trusting God in the middle of your mess. And so I think it's safe to say that the Israelites, the children of Israel, were in a well-established bondage. So let's talk about that for a moment. The nature of bondages is that they become, you become comfortable in your bondage. Some of y'all don't know I'm talking to you, but I'm talking to you. You can even know they're wrong and still be bound by them. You can know that it's wrong to look at porn. You can know that it's wrong to do drugs or drink alcohol. You can know that it debilitates your senses and creates trouble and trauma for you in your life and in your family. I know that all too well. But I can say this to you. You can get comfortable in it. In spite of the damages it does. You get used to that mess. And that's what was happening with the Israelites. Israel wanted out. But when the path became difficult. Even dangerous. They begin to complain as verses 10 through 12 said. Why don't you just leave us here? Why don't you just leave us alone? At least we had food, water and shelter. We got graves enough in Egypt. Why do we need to be brought out here into the desert? The nature of bondages is such that you may complain about them, but not want to face the pain of the way out. Because sometimes when you're in the middle of a bondage, it takes a little bit of work to come out of it. Most bondages make us want more of it. You start thinking, uh, the first time you drink a drink, an alcoholic drink, you think, well, okay, that was pretty good. I think I'll have another, and another, and then another. And then it becomes habit forming. You want to do it every weekend, or every time there's a gathering, or a party. You guys, many of you in this place, you go to places and you have family members, you can't have a gathering that's not full up with alcohol. There's beer, there's wine, there's all kinds of alcoholic beverages there. And that, for you, it's not a fun time, or them in particular, if that isn't there. Some of you are still stuck in that rut. Some of you have dealt with and started into drugs and you think it's okay. And now that they've even legalized marijuana, you think it's okay. You can legally be debilitated. And that's just a starting point. What's to tell you that, okay, now I can do that? What are you going to do next? And that's not, not uh, easing the pain enough. What do you think is going to happen? You start to rely on that drug or that alcohol to ease your pain. But the Israelites didn't want more harsh treatment from the, uh, their slave masters, but at least their basic needs were met. 
We often go back to our bondages because it meets some basic human or fleshly desire. Even if it's sexual immorality, bondages to sex and bondages to, to, to any kind of, of thing. That you, you, you go to the clubs, you go to the bars because you like companionship. And that's what you tell yourself. Well, i got to have people to hang out with. It's an escape. God delivers us from our bondages. I believe I'm looking at people today that know that God is a deliverer. That it'll take you out of that mess and that muck. It may have a, still have a grip on you, but I'm looking at people today because I know the great deliverer who will set you free from your bondages. And so God shows up in a big way for the Israelites. Verses 13 and 14 Um, Say it like this. Hmm? Say it like this. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. I'm moved by the fact that when God... When our great big God shows up in a great big way, deliverance is sure. Somebody shout amen. Amen. I've shared my testimony, as I said, a little bit on the front end of this message. But, but God broke through into my life at the perfect time. I say it that way because I believe it to be true. Uh, I just said a moment ago that I, was, uh, I would spend my summers with my father. And he took us to church. And my, I want it clear to you all. My dad was not a deadbeat dad. He, he paid child support and he took us to places and did lots of things with us. And, uh, and, and I love my dad. Uh, but... but uh, when I would go back to my mom's home in the school year or during the winter months, this is Florida, so winter, call it winter, but uh, what you and I know of was winter, not so much. Anyway, um, and, and the, the one evening we were coming back home um, to, to, to return to our home in North Fort Myers, Florida, and my, um, I was with my oldest brother, and my next oldest sister, and because I was younger than them, those two, they just looked at me and said, hey, you go in there, and my, my, my grandmother's house is where we're going to stay, and, and she wasn't home when we got there, and we all go, wait a minute, she's in church, it's Sunday night. And she went to a little Pentecostal church in North Fort Myers, Florida. And so when we got to the church, um, my family looked at me, and they said, hey, you're the youngest, go get the key. And... Okay, all right, I'll go in, I'll go get the key. So I go and sit beside my grandmother, slip in the pew, and I don't remember if they were singing, I don't remember what was happening at the time. I slipped in beside the pew, and I said, Grandma, can I have the key to the house? Uh, We got here, and we need to get the key so we can get in the house. She just looked over at me, put her hand on my knee, and said, You just sit right there, son. So I sat right there, because it was a different age. It was a different time. I don't talk. There was no way I'd have talked back to my grandma. There was no way. She'd have slapped me, and a half dozen others would have slapped me if I'd acted bad. They didn't even know me, and they'd have slapped me. Preacher would have come off the pulpit and said, what's wrong with you, boy? 
take you out back and straighten you out. And they would have. But God got a hold of me right at that moment. I was just about to enter the ninth grade. <laughs> just about to enter high school. And when, when I, I, I sat there through the rest of that message, I have no idea what my oldest brother and stepsister did, what they did. They were outside. I don't know. I don't know. I stayed there till the message was done. I can't remember what he preached. All I know is I went to the altar like everybody else did, and I had six Pentecostal women praying around me in tongues. I wasn't moving, and I could tell you this. God got a hold of this boy. He got a hold of this boy and he ain't never turned loose. I was delivered is what I'm trying to tell you. And I know, I know I, I never been drunk. I never got high. I never got into that mess because God got a hold of me at the perfect time. Chapter 15 in Exodus. It's, it's Moses. It's titled Moses' Song. Really, it's Moses and Miriam, and they, they sing and worship God for the great deliverance God has given them from the hand of Pharaoh. When you get delivered, you get happy and you sing, don't you? And I want to just close out that section by saying this. The children of Israel... When they were delivered like this by the hand of God, God, everybody in the whole region knew God had delivered them. Am I talking to anybody that, that when you went back to your family after God delivered you, they looked at you and said, what is wrong with you? What happened to you? You ain't fun anymore. Yeah, any of y'all ever hear that? You ain't no fun no more. You just look back at them and say, I know, I just have my fun in a different place now. We dance in our church. We shout and jump around. I want to take you to another deliverance story in Daniel chapter 3. This, this, most of you know this, but I can't ever assume that you know the story. So I'm going to take you there uh, to uh, Daniel. Okay, I'm going too fast here. But let me just set the backdrop. King Nebuchadnezzar has built a, a giant statue of himself. That was not unusual for them in that day and age. Uh, the, the kings, they would build a statue of themselves so that they could be worshipped like God. That's what they did. This was not that unusual. And King Nebuchadnezzar under, um, you know, some of his people said, hey, you need to be, you're a great king. You need to build yourself a statue. And he did a massive statue of himself. And, and what they would do, they set it up in the center, but, but, uh, or built it in the center of their zone and, and they would play their instruments. And when they played their instruments, everybody was supposed to bow to Nebuchadnezzar, the statue. Well, there were some three, there was three Hebrew young men that were serving in Nebuchadnezzar's court. Now, they're captives once again. 
to King Nebuchadnezzar. And, and these young Israelite men, they were brought in to serve the king and, or, or be his servants in the, uh, um, the, the general royal uh, registry, if you will. They were part of the royal makeup and they served the king and they took care of all this stuff. Now, it wouldn't be glamorous necessarily because some people were doing stuff that wasn't glamorous at all. They were servants to the king. And so, but they were considered special because they served the king. And these are the three young men. And here's, let's read from the scriptures what happens. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. Now, hear what's being said. They're talking to the king. Um, you got to go back a few years before this becomes kind of understandable. When you say words like that to the king, you have just surrendered your life. And they knew this when they start saying it. That, that, look, this may be our end, but this is what we believe. I, I'm wondering this morning if I have anybody in this group of people that will stand for what they believe no matter what the consequences may be. Do I have anybody out here like that? If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. Now understand something. To Nebuchadnezzar, he, he believed that there were multiple gods, but he was one of them. The God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, now this starts to sound, this is, this is the noose around the neck right now. If he, even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we, so they continue with the respect, your majesty, <laughs> that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. That means he was mad. He was full on, your mama is so mad, she would kill you if she weren't your mama. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. Then because, and because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But, I love these kinds of buts. Suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the flame furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, 
Nebuchadnezzar shouted. I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted. I love this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. He's just been belittled. He's just now been positioned. Hear it. Hear it from his mouth. Servants of the Most High God. Remember, he thinks he's a god. People have been telling him, he's a god. You need to build yourself a statue so they worship you. You realize what they're doing at this time is they're pushing people to believe that this god, little g, Nebuchadnezzar, I have your life in my hand. I will take care of you. I will provide for you. I will make a... Boy, I could preach this, Nick. I can preach this, because this is today. I'll make a way for you. Put your confidence in me. Trust in me. you got government officials that want you to believe the same thing today. Don't put your faith in. I don't care if they're Democrat or Republican. They ain't going to make the way for you. That's exactly what Nebuchadnezzar, he's talking that same, uh, suddenly, he's most high God. Come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Now listen to me for a minute. I smoked a turkey on Thursday. When it came out, it smelled like smoke. I walked that bird into the house. Everybody said, "Ooh!" They could see it. They could smell it. It looked like it had been in smoke. These guys didn't even smell of smoke. Now knowing how infuriated the king became indicates that these guys may have been a little bit cocky, but regardless, they were standing on their confession. They were standing up, and listen to me when I say this to you, standing up for right principles and high morals is costly. I said this just a few weeks ago, I might as well say it again today. It may cost you something to really serve God. It's not going to always be convenient. Everybody's not going to like you. (laughs) Listen to me, young men. Everybody's not going to like you. If you serve Jesus, you follow Jesus, you're going to have somebody's going to look at you and say, you're weird. They won't like you. What, are you a virgin? Come on. Where are you living? If you live for Jesus, somebody's going to look at you and say, you're a goofball. It may be a family member. It may well be a family member. And they're the ones that will stop inviting you to their house because you don't want to be around all the drinking and carrying on that happens in those, those atmos- that atmosphere. I'm not telling you never go. I'm just saying to you, choose your battles. 
You got to know your own weakness. But if you're going to stare, stand up for Jesus, go ahead and stand up for him. See, I'm having no part with this mess. That's a life that I've left behind. God's taken me out of that. I'm not going back there. I know what that feels like. I know what that tastes like. I know what that is like. But I found something better. I'm not going back. I'm never going back to my bondage. I'm never going to let the devil stomp on me anymore. I'm going to stand up for Jesus. I'm going to walk the way of Jesus Christ. And I bet I'm preaching to a few people that believe that is the way they're going to live their lives. They will take everything that you've been taught, everything that is right, and they will twist it so it sounds like this is the more moral high ground. It's what's been done with abortion. It's called a woman's right while it's taking the life of a child. And, and like that's a higher moral standard. What is wrong with our world when people will protect our environment and kill babies? Save the whales and trees while we murder children in the womb. Yeah, it messes me up and it angers me. And that's why you hear me talking like I'm talking. But I'm hoping that I get through to a few people that understand this is messed up. And that's exactly what Nebuchadnezzar was trying to do with these Israelites and everybody under his subjection. Put all your confidence and trust in me, in my word. And they just said, I got another word. The word I know says, never bow a knee to anyone else but God, capital G, Yahweh. I think it's important that I say this. They weren't delivered from the fire. They were delivered through the fire. What's that mean, preacher? It just means that it may not look good. It may not feel good. The processing may leave you wondering if God's going to show up, how he's going to get through this, how he's going to get you through this. But trust him no matter what it looks like. He'll deliver you through the fire. If you walk in faith, if you will trust God fully, if you will speak faith, make a declaration like these young men did. Uh, our God is able, able to deliver us. They said that to King Nebuchadnezzar. Our God is able to deliver us through this fire. Sometimes you've got to look at your bondage keepers and tell them the truth according to God's word. Not what just feels right in that moment. Because you're trying to make everybody feel good or, or love you. We need people that are, have some backbone and some uh, solidity to them in their belief and their belief system. They'll stand on what the Word of God says in spite of what people say trying to dissuade you or turn you away from the truth of God's Word. Their confession was sure and strong. It was based on a, uh, because Nebuchadnezzar had made a direct assault on God and God's way, God's word. 
We live in a time that's doing that right now. We live in a world that's making a direct assault on God, God's way and God's word. And I wonder if I've got people that will stand on God's word no matter what's being said or conveyed as the right truth, the high moral ground. God really came through for these men, didn't he? Hey, did you hear the king's decree? Let me give this to you. This is in chapter 3 of Daniel, verses 28 and 29. I'm not sure if I got it. Yes, I do. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree like your word matters now. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language... Now, listen to me. He's the most powerful king on the earth at this time. So when he says this statement, whatever their race, nation, or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn from limb, limb from limb. And their houses will be burned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. What does that mean to you today? It means that when God has pulled you out of muck and mess, he's cleaned you up, he's, he's straightened your path out, and, and such, there are going to be people all around you saying, what happened to you? What, what is going on in your life? And you'll be able to testify. I've been delivered. Carmen used to sing it. Some of y'all don't even know who he is. And, and he used to sing, I've been delivered. I've been delivered. The hole the devil had on me, he ain't got no more. I've been delivered. I've been delivered. So if you've been delivered like that, everybody around you will start to know you've been set free. And even if what they say, what they recommend, and the path they want. I know I'm talking a lot to you young people. I hope you're getting this because when I share the testimony that God got a hold of me at the perfect time when I was just, I was 14 years old, just going into high school. Man, it was perfect because that kept me from experimenting with alcohol, from experimenting with pot, And the whole partying lifestyle, it was rampant. I know you guys think that we didn't have none. Are you kidding me? All of my friends were having sex and doing drugs and drinking pot and going to parties just like you got them today. No, no, I didn't have the whole gay issue that you're dealing with. We didn't have all of that. I mean, the only gay person I even knew about was Billie Jean King and... Elton John. Liberace. Yeah, he was ahead of them, wasn't he? You knew he was gay when you... But all of that looked the same kind of attractive as it does to you young people. It was all there. I I, could have run with girls that were freely offering... 
It was open. It was open territory. But I knew God got a hold of my life. And I knew there was a right path. There was the one way to go. And I chose to keep my eyes on that prize and not let that mess drag me down a lane that would ultimately be destructive to me. I want to say this because what happened with these three Hebrews, you'd have to read on, but it's there. After this happens with them, what does the king turn around and do? He promotes them. Suddenly, they have a better position. So what does that mean to you? People around you will give God honor when they see the testimony of your deliverance. And write this down if you're taking notes. Promotion is always on the other side of deliverance. Isn't that good? That's the Holy Ghost right there. He's given you a word today. Promotion is always on the other side of deliverance. When God brings you out, He's got some place to promote you to. He's not just bringing you out so you can stay down. He's got another level for you to get busy on and places for you to go, people for you to meet, interactions you need to have. So it's one thing to talk about the deliverance of the children of Israel. It's one thing to talk about the deliverance of, of these three Hebrews. But I want you to know on this last November Sunday, uh, a November to remember as we roll right into Christmas season, that, but somewhere about 2,000 years ago on a starlit night, there came an angel, broke through the heavens, and he said to some shepherds, I bring you good tidings of great joy that shall be for all generations. There's a deliverer about to come for all generations. And you know he's talking about Jesus. We'll go to Luke chapter 4 when Jesus announces who he is and why he's here. When he came to the village of Nazareth, let me get a drink. His boy, boyhood home, he went as usual. <laughs> that means that Jesus went to church every Saturday on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the, the attendant and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. And then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. 
Uh, we read that and we think, oh, that's interesting. But I can tell you why all the eyes were on him. They knew what he was saying. They knew that he was saying, I'm he. It's on now, guys. The thing that the prophets had spoke of, it's on. It's now. It's me. And, and I take you back to what he said to those that were gathered in that room in that day. What did Jesus come here to do? He's quoting uh, uh, Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2. And he, what did he come to do? What did he say to them? He said, I got good news to the, for the poor. I'm going to deliver them. I'm not talking about as such. They're for, deliver them from their financial poorness. No, I've got, a rich, I've got riches that are, that are greater than that. They're eternal in value. Now, he also prospers his people, and I, I don't want you to miss that. I preach that, teach that, live that right now. I've come to proclaim freedom to the prisoners. I, I've got a freedom from that bondage that will that's different. It's eternal again in nature. Because once you know me as your Lord and Savior, you are no longer bound to sin, death, and hell. I've come to bring recovery of sight to the blind. Uh, the bondage to physical ailments. Jesus is saying, I've come to bring you healing. To release the oppressed. Those who are oppressed by others. Those who are held down by others. When you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're no longer bound by other people. Their, their plans and their programs. And I've come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Come on, somebody. Shout favor. You're living in that time, folks. You're in that time. We live in the best time historically that has ever been. Jesus brought deliverance to all of mankind. Every aspect of Jesus' stated purpose was to deliver those, all of them, who are in bondage and want out. I wonder if you've got something hanging on to you. I wonder if the stronghold of the enemy has still got a hold of you. Not only does Jesus deliver from sin, but also from sin's bondage. Anybody out there today that's been delivered from the bondage of sin, come on, shout and lift your hand and say hallelujah. I'm not just talking about the fact that you've been forgiven of your sins, but how many of you were in some kind of bondage to alcohol, drugs, immorality? God's delivered you out of it. Come on, shout. Shout and give Him praise this morning. He's worthy to be lifted up in praise because He brought you out of that mess. What the enemy intended for you, God took hold of that. He choked it out of you. My blood's covered you right now and that sin is no longer going to hold you. Maybe you're listening to me right now and you still got some bondage hanging on to you. Whether it's alcohol, drugs, or immorality of some sort or something that I've not named, pornography. Still suffering with some bondage. You don't have to stay bound. 
anything I just named, you don't have to stay bound. Jesus, His grace is more than enough to forgive you. It's also to help you not stay in it. The bondage that is. Anybody that's ever been delivered from drugs, alcohol, or immorality of any sort, sexual, pornography, stand to your feet real quick. Give the Lord praise. Stand up. Stand up if he's delivered you from any of those things. I asked him to stand up because I want you to see it. I want especially you young people to see this. Look at all these adults standing here right now. If they could go back in that one moment when they took that drink or, or, or they tried that drug or they ran down the path with some, uh, uh, someone else physically, sexually, God delivered them out of all of that mess. He's not just interested in forgiving you, but He longs to deliver you. Y'all can be seated. Thank you. Maria, get that uh, video ready for me. I'm going to close this a little differently today. I've been really blessed by this song for... I, I know it came out a good while back, so it's old to some of you. Not that old, but it's old. It's not brand new. And it's been blessing me over and over and over again. And, and I want you, I want, because the words are up here. So you'll see what's being said, even if you can't understand it when he, when he sings it. And he's become perhaps my, he may be a go-to for me that I just love him. I love his voice and his capability. But when I heard this song, Again, recently, I just thought, okay, there's got to be a way to tie it into a message, and here it is. Everything happens for a reason, but you don't know what you don't know. If you don't let go of tomorrow Cause it ain't even fake Till your plan falls apart But you still choose to follow If it doesn't make sense right now And well when it's over It's like drowning in the shadows Oh, you gotta keep believing Even in the middle of the unknown Cause grace will be there When you come to the end of your rope And you let go It may feel like you're going down now But the story isn't over
take it down, Patrick. Would you stand to your feet? You can listen to the song, Joy in the Morning, Tarn Wells. Hear this line. If it's not good, then he's not done. Why will there be Because the deliverer has come. It may not look good right now. You may be in the middle of some kind of mess right now. But I want you to know that joy will come. That's the word of God. Joy will come in the morning. That means your hope, your faith, your trust is in the one and only deliverer. He will take you out if you will submit your life and your way to Him. He's more than enough. And all of those people that stood up earlier, they stood up as a testimony to you that God can make a way where there seems no way. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Let me first talk to those of you who could be here this morning and the reality is you're, you're not in a right relationship with Christ. You either walked away from Him and you did know Him or perhaps you have never said, Jesus, would you forgive me of my sins? Come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Maybe something's caused you to look away from the Lord and you've gotten yourself tangled in some mess. But today you say, I want to turn that around, preacher. If that's you this morning, nobody looking around, please. Say, I want to get things right with God, preacher. Lift your hand right where you're at. I want to be sure of my eternal future. I want to know that I'm going to heaven. I want to remove any doubt from my life. I want to give my life to Jesus. Is there anybody like that in here today? If you're raising your hand, I'm not seeing it. So raise it higher if that's the case. Right, you're telling me that everybody's good with Jesus and if that's the case I'm good with that you need to bring some people that don't know Jesus next week but, but I'm good with it today now let me take it to those of you who are believers and you love the Lord but something's still hanging on to you like a bondage you want it broken today now I could handle this a dozen different ways I could just say oh just raise your hand make it convenient and easy for you but if I'm going to see you delivered from a bondage I want to pray over you and lay hands on you so if you got something that's still hanging on to you but you're tired of it make today your declaration that you're not going back to that come down to this altar now and allow me to pray Come on. We'll be the bold one. Say, I've been, I've had this long enough. I'm not going to stay in it anymore.
home. Surely there's others. I didn't put a title on it. I don't know why you would be coming. None of us will. But if you're tired of it, come on. Give God a chance to break it over you. Turn loose of it for a minute. Watch God be God over your life and your situation. Come on. We're going to wait just a moment longer. I'm going to begin praying over these folks.
Hallelujah. Father, I, I know that while there may have been just these three that came forward, I know better than that, Lord. I know better than that. Holy Spirit, you tell me more than that. And so I know as there are many who stand in this place, some just afraid to say, yeah, I have a stronghold. Yeah, there's a bondage. I'm still hanging on to this thing or that thing. Whatever it is, God, I'm asking you, God, to give them the courage and strength, first of all, to ask for your forgiveness. Secondly, to deal with the issue, God. Make it plain in front of them, Lord Jesus. Make it plain that you don't want to tolerate that in their lives. And they don't have to, Lord. They no longer have to stay subjected to the plan of the enemy, which would bring destruction and create pain and and difficulty for them. So God, take them through now with your strength, your power, your touch on their lives, Lord God. Give them everything they need to be uh, to be delivered in this moment. In the precious and most powerful name of Jesus, I pray. And thank you for doing it, God. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. I love you folks. I hope you have a really good day. Be blessed in the Lord. Look forward to seeing you serving the Lord here next Sunday, ready for Christmas City Fest. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the Lehigh Valley but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.